0: people, to the Don't Panic podcast. This is a podcast that takes you on a journey through the eyes of the creatives here in Scotland. Join me, Lucy, as I sit down with friends, family, creatives, and industry professionals to discuss the complexities of being a creative person, living right here in Scotland. From childhood to adulthood, career to personal passions and current events to mental health, we'll be diving deep into the ups and downs of being a Scottish creative with plenty of laughs and inspiration along the way. So sit back, relax, learn and relate as we explore all aspects of Scottish life, one conversation at a time. Hello beautiful people, it is Lucy here adding on a little message to the beginning of this podcast. Um, Sorry it was late, it took me a bit longer to edit as it was three hours long Um, (laughs) but uh, you'll see why soon because we have a very great speaker on, um, somebody that loves to tell a story and whilst we were recording I forgot to do an intro. So here is the intro for Mark Pringle. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Don't Panic podcast. Today I have a very close family friend, an unsung hero behind the curtains of one of Scotland's most iconic theatres for over the past 29 years. Meet Mark Pringle, a man of many talents including Atlas stone lifting, and be the lead singer in a heavy metal band during the 90s. But... Another thing that makes Mark truly unique is his long career at the Festival Theatre in Edinburgh. In today's episode, we'll step into the intriguing world of backstage theatre production, diving into Pringle's fascinating life journey, our trips to America together, and lots of chip roll chat. Pringle loves a chip roll. Pringle's a living embodiment of a Scottish Ron Swanson, and you're in for a treat as we uncover his stories, experiences, and insights. So grab a seat, grab a whiskey, settle in, and let's explore the hidden gems of the theatre world and the adventures of Mark Pringle. Okay. Hi Pringle.
1: Hello there, Lucy. <laughs>
0: How are you?
1: I'm uh, suitably nervous.
0: <laughs> I'm so surprised you're nervous.
1: Look at my face.
0: You, well, I. <laughs> <laughs> just just drink some whiskey and you'll be fine.
1: Sometimes people use overconfidence as a way to combat nerves. Yeah. Which could be the story of my whole life.
0: Well, we're done. We don't need to do any more. That's it. Thanks for <laughs> No, um, thank you for coming on the pod. Um in your um
1: Do we say pod? We don't say chat show.
0: You can call it a chat show if you okay. like. The pod's funny, though, because it's just, I don't know. The pod
1: makes me think of uh, whales, killer whales, like a pod of whales. Yeah. That's
0: kind of cool, though. I'm into that. Right, that's pretty cool. Me and Ryan just spoke a lot about whales on the on the last podcast, so we're really in theme.
1: Porpoises or Welsh people?
0: Uh, orcas.
1: Orcas, specifically. <laughs> nice one. Not the Welsh. I wonder how Shamu's doing.
0: Dead, probably. Uh, maybe trash. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of them are...
1: At least we, we had a high there, then it went
0: to quite a low. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, killer yeah. whales. Anyway, hey. <laughs> uh, th- yeah, anyway, thanks so much, and thank you for having me in your home. That's all right. Yeah, so we start off this podcast with uh, our life mantra. So do you have one that you'd like to share and tell?
1: I think you know my life mantra. Well, you're going to
0: tell the <laughs> rest. You're going to tell our listeners.
1: In the late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. It was probably Thrash Till Death.
0: Thrash Till Death?
1: Due to the music I listened to. Yeah. And then in 92 to about 95, it was probably Grind On. And after that, I saw... <laughs> probably there was two rules in life. One, get jaked. Two, get jaked often, <laughs> as I like to party it up a fair bit. <laughs> and now the only mantra I have is, you can say it with me, lift heavy. <laughs>
0: Let's tell you, Grow, grow a Grow a moustache.
1: That's it. Let's tell you, grow a mustache. There you go.
0: So that's the words that you look by? Uh
1: yeah. And uh, as you get older, almost anybody can grow a mustache.
0: <laughs> that is very true. Yeah. Right, well, we're gonna take it back to um your childhood, little little baby Pringle. Mm-hmm. And um
1: came out with a mustache. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, came out
0: Oops. came out as a, a full grown man. Yeah. Um I'm so yeah, what bad. was your what was your childhood like because i don't actually even know much about this so you can fill me in
1: imagine i just went down a really deep dark hole here
0: i mean you can if you like uh,
1: my this is, is a
0: safe space
1: my childhood was really good i was really happy good. he's a happy wee guy um, what did
0: you get up to what did you like to do
1: Yeah, um, i like uh, i like to walk riding right my bike mm-hmm. what, how old are we talking
0: well uh young like kid
1: Kid. Well,
0: Primary school. I was a
1: kid till I was about 30. Primary school. Primary school. <laughs> uh, I'd ride my bike, hang out with my friends. I was quite good at schoolwork. I was alright. Are you smart? I was quite smart, but unlike today, I was very quiet. Oh, were you? Didn't talk a lot in class at quite all. Quite
0: introverted.
1: Uh, I think I was probably just confident. I was not confident enough to throw it out there and deal but it because I. Obviously, it wasn't confident enough to deal with the backlash. Right. But I was pretty quiet. I was happy with the friends that I had. I had good friends in my neighbourhood in the in the street. Your friends were obviously geographically based. Yes. Um, yes. I'm still. I still keep in touch with uh, nine out of ten of the people that I grew That's up cool. with in that in in that area. Which is uh, well,
0: where was this again?
1: This was in Swanston. 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 Ron Swanson. I was
0: about so, to uh, say no, you, the Scottish Ron Swanson, the right Scottish here. Swanson.
1: <laughs> uh, number four, Swanson Crescent and Thermal Head or Thermal Head. Mm-hmm. If uh, if you're from Oxgangs, um, but yeah, it was, it is was was it quite
0: I uh, uh, I I don't know much about that area. Is it quite like a rough area or no? No,
1: ludicrously middle class.
0: Oh, okay, see, I genuinely.
1: Yeah, it's very nice. That's what it is. It's very easy. I dare say, um, yeah, I think it's still like that today. Right. But it was very nice. Everyone there was all quite pleasant.
0: And what school did you go to?
1: I went to Comston Primary, Mm -hmm. um, which is now called Pentland Primary. Comston Primary, just down the road. It was really nice. had a lot of good times there. I was quite afraid of the head teacher, Mrs Gowans. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was quite a terrifying woman. Um, But I had a lot of good times there. I had one really bad day. When uh, there was a drain cover that was exposed, and I fell down the drain and landed in an actual <laughs> physical pile of shit. Oh
0: no! And the
1: teacher actually gave me a row for it. What? Very dis- early 80s. Very different. If you actually fell in sewage yourself, it was your own fault. <laughs> it was your own
0: fault. Yeah. Well, I was doing nightmare. Um,
1: but then I went to Harriets. I moved in Premier six, oh, and yeah, I went to I went to George Harriets uh, from Premier six until. Yeah, and six year.
0: Did you get the Harriet's, hey, Harriet's, hey, rah, rah, rah?
1: Off of the knickers and off of the bra.
0: <laughs> no, that's not what we said.
1: Oh, what did you say?
0: My dad drives a Jaguar. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yours is uh, a bit more, like, <clears throat> perverse.
1: <laughs> or, well, yeah, it was different times. <laughs> yeah, you could chant that kind of thing. Um... Oh,
0: no, the Porty Girls one was terrible. Oh, and I'd be singing are... this when I was nine years old. What was it? Um, we are the porty girls. We wear our hair and curls. We wear our dungarees above our sexy knees. We wear our bras too tight to show that we can fight. And then the boy next door, he got me on the floor. He gave, He asked for 60. It's like he asked to do the day and then he oh. asked for more. I was like 9, 10 when we were chanting that.
1: Wow. So <laughs> goal, if you had a tight bra, it meant you were quite tough. Uh-huh. Fighting. All right, I was at uh, Compton Primary till the end of uh, primary fun. It was really good. Mm-hmm. I was quite sad to go, sad to leave because at that point in time, your parents still dis- they own your future, so you don't sure. know why you're not going to Hill with everybody else or why you're not staying on to finish right. primary school. I just got taken to this very old building. One, d- well, I had an entrance exam to sit. And I was actually ill on the day of the entrance exam, so I missed it. Mm -hmm. And the following week, uh, my mum said, you'll do the entrance exam tomorrow. And we went, drove down to Harriet's, and I went in this incredibly old castle-type building, which is now famous for being the inspiration for Hogwarts. Mm -hmm. I went in there, it smelled very different, because the school I was currently at was built in the 70s.
0: -hmm. And this
1: one was built in the late 1500s. So it smelled wooden and old and musty, and uh, I'd never seen a male teacher before in my entire life. Really? Never. Only all ever.
0: females. All
1: females at the primary school I was currently. That's interesting. At. So there's men there, and that kind of blew me away a wee bit. I just didn't know that men could teach. Hmm. And I sat in the. We went to the headmaster's office, Mr. Uh, office, Mr. Connell, <clears throat> really cool guy from New Zealand. Really hope he's not on a listening. Um <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> He said, uh, he called me Mac, Mac, because he was from New Zealand. Uh-huh. He said, Mark, you'll just do your test here with me. He'll sit at my desk with me. He was wearing a black cape. He had books everywhere. They had like, it was just next level type stuff because I'd only ever known really nice people. And then I was sitting with this, essentially Lord Vader mm. in the Star Wars movies and my mum was told to bugger off. And I sat at his desk. And that desk was probably 200 years old or something. So I had his desk with him and I did the test that I would have done the week before, but before him, Mm -hmm. before his very eyes. And he was really nice and at some point talked me through it. And at one point said, how many E's in the word coffee mark? And I said, just one. And he went, two E's, two E's. (laughs) Give me a couple of tips. And then uh, he told, asked my mum to come back in. And at the end of that, um, he told her that I'd got a place. (laughs) And she was overjoyed. I still didn't really know what was going on. I had absolutely no idea whatsoever. And then uh, a couple of school holidays came, summer holidays came, and then the following year I went and started there. And interestingly enough, mm-hmm. oops, I just dropped a nut and bolt. <laughs> um, short trousers were always the thing in, uh-huh. in in the early primary years in Harriets, whereas when you get into six and seven, they are optional. Okay. So you could wear long trousers if you wanted or you could wear short trousers. Yeah. My mum thought it would be, No, I don't know anybody here at all. never mm-hmm. seen any of these other kids. My mum thought it would be a really cool idea if I wore short trousers. She thought it would be cute and it would be nice. So not short trousers. Raham made all my trousers a short. I a short. <laughs> shorts. She thought it would be a good idea if I wore shorts. So I wore shorts that day. Mm-hmm. And there's three classes, uh, G, H and S, six G, H and S. And and then seven A and B seven A, B and C. And there was only one other guy in the whole of that year that was wearing shorts. And his name was Tobias Orlando Bell. <laughs> and he It's a good name. Yeah, it's it's a very strong name these days. And funnily enough, I was utterly ridiculed and made to know that only new boys were wearing shorts. Yeah. So my mum picked me up that day and said, How hey, was your first day? And I demanded that we went straight to the shops and bought long trousers. Fair. So that I High Scale's tough. Wasn't easy,
0: especially when it came to like how you wore things, what you wore. I don't know. I mean, it sounds like it was pretty much the same, but
1: I wore the same clothes until I left.
0: Well, for us, it was like you had to have the right brands, and
1: mm. oh yeah, so, you know. that, so that is the one thing at the time. I thought it was uh, it was quite tough having to wear a blazer and a shirt and a tie mm-hmm. and everything. But as a heavy metal kid, I was never ostracised by mm-hmm. anybody else because I was wearing exact. The blazer cost the same, the trousers cost the same, everybody's wearing the same gear.
0: There's a lot that's, to be said for that. Yeah, that's what happened in Portobello High School because I think the first like three years we were there was um there wasn't in a, a school uniform. So you could wear whatever you want. And mm. obviously the bullying was just like awesome. insane. Yeah. So then they introduced the school uniform did you to try really and suit. Yeah, we're I yeah. Did I know. was a total chav for I was like a mosher, then I was a chav, and then I went back to being like kind of goth vibes and then, Goals, yeah. yeah, kind of stuck. But but the chav phase was like full blown.
1: Who were you trying to impress? This is your show, but who were you trying to impress when you became a chav?
0: I was just copying what my what friends were doing. Thought. I was I was like a follow along, like I just didn't want to be stand out for the wrong reasons. you yeah. know what I mean? A guy I know got battered for wearing the wrong brand of joggers, like... Wow. Like proper battered for it. Really? Yeah. So you really didn't want to stand out for the wrong reasons in Port High School, but... Wow, well, that's tough. But, um, roll, but, yeah. Roll on blazer re- in the shirt. And un- it's yeah, absolutely. A uniform. <coughs> I think it didn't fully help because you can still identify, you know, yeah. the goths or painted nails and some jewellery or whatever. There's still a bit of like being yeah. your own self, but um, it definitely helps.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: So... Did you get along with the people there
1: um, yeah pre- uh, everybody was quite welcoming once I got long trousers. Yeah, <laughs> once it to, it in. on
0: treasures
1: made quite a few friends <laughs> um by first year second year I'd also my parents owned some new Zealand shops so by then I'd already become a little bit entrepreneurial huh. and I was stealing the porno mags nice. from the back shop the one you know May <laughs> when it was June I was stealing May's mag. And uh, selling them for half price to the guys in my year. So I was regularly coming away with even then three to six pounds a day.
0: That's pretty good though.
1: cash. Yeah, it was, quite, uh, it was quite good going. Also, a year before that in Primary 7, when you would go for lunch, everybody would hand over a pound note to pay for their lunch because you could get... Pound notes? <laughs> st- my standard was a can of full Coca-Cola and a bridey. 23 pence and 27 pence. That's crazy. So I would hand over this pound note every day and Mrs Henderson that ran the canteen, she would hand you back 50p. So after about three months, I struck upon the idea of photocopying a lot of pound notes on a sheet of A4 it came out black and white, but then mm. I got a green key, a green crayon, a crayon,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: uh, coloured them all in crudely, <laughs> and then cut them up into pound note size, and I got away with it for me and my no. got away with it for about a week, and then I got pulled into the headmaster's office, the guy who had sat the exam. With, yeah, and uh, he went moderately doolally at me, but then commended me for the skills that I had shown <laughs> in. In counterfeiting money.
0: Wow! Yeah.
1: And I said to him, I didn't do it to deceive anybody. I just did it for a laugh, just to.
0: I bet you used it. Slightly know, deceiving. Like,
1: yeah, well, it was very deceiving.
0: <laughs> it was very deceiving
1: because she. Took, and nobody could tell. She took so many pound notes because there's hundreds of kids. I guess, yeah, so many, you're so, not
0: paying attention. She wasn't. Even at
1: it, you mm. know, she was, she, maybe she went home one night and there was crayon all over her fingers. I don't know. Um, that's but, so funny. But that was probably the start of me on my road to becoming a Wido. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the beginning the, of the, the end. The confidence levels were going. You know, I. I was,
1: I was already selling pornographic magazines, yeah. counterfeited money.
0: I mean, you're on it.
1: Yeah, I was on it. To be yeah. a
0: good fraudster. I know you're big into your music. So when. Start getting interested in, in that side of things.
1: When I was 16, the guys in the year above me had a metal covers band called APB.
0: Mm hmm.
1: All Points Bulletin or All Pints Borrowed. And I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> and they played at a school concert and they did some Metallica covers. And I wish I could see it now because at the time I thought it was brilliant, but they were no doubt awful.
0: Right. <laughs> no
1: doubt absolutely awful. Mm-hmm. But they won the talent contest up against like a pop band, a rock band, probably nice. a person doing magic as well or something, you know, standard school fair. But it was in the junior hall, so the stage is maybe about six or seven feet up off the ground. It's like a miniature theatre. Yeah. And that really blew me away. And I looked at the guy that was singing at the time and I thought I could do a better job than him.
0: Mm-hmm. Had you ever tried before?
1: Mm, yes. Into a hoover. Right. <laughs> the, the the stem of the, the handle of the hoover. I would crouch down and pretend that I was playing guitar with a squash racket <laughs> and sing into that. Um, or sing with a hairbrush. Um, and then... Towards the end of fifth year, I started my first band called Deceiver. Mm -hmm. I actively put adverts in guitar shops and stuff looking for uh, people. But the guitar player in that band, APB, he was very good, so I pinched him. Um, I got him into the same music that I was listening to, which was heavier and faster. than The stuff that they were currently playing, Um, pinched him, and then I found three other musicians... Uh, and then started booking gigs, booking a practice room. So at 17, I was already running. People that play instruments aren't very good at the logistics. Right, okay. It quite often falls to the singer to be, as the front man is also the person that books shows, deals with people, okay. meets other bands, does mm-hmm. all that kind of... And the other guys just go, oh, I don't know, man, let's play the drums.
0: Is that yeah. annoying?
1: It, it's only... At the time, you think it's annoying, but then in, in my third band, the <laughs> the drummer wanted really heavily involved in that. Right. And I would look at him as though well to say, that's my fucking job. But, all right, so you Stay liked it, it, it. You in know, the end. Nobody likes you. <laughs> uh, no, but moderate uh, control freak scenario, I just like... I like to know what's happening. I like to, obviously, we all think our own way of doing things is best. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was easier. And nine times out of ten, people are quite, if they see that you're okay with it, they're happy to go along yeah. with it, you know? Uh, especially when i turned turn around the first time we ever played in Aberdeen. The guy that ran the pub said to me, How much do you normally get paid? I was 17 and a half, wasn't even legal to be in a pub. How much do you normally get paid? And I said, We normally get 100. He gave me 100 quid made me sign a receipt for it, which made me panic. <laughs> I didn't know why I was panicking. I thought, my God, he's going to tell something. Going to, something's going to happen. Now, obviously not, just for tax purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I turned around to everyone and went, look, we've got 100 quid. So we all got a few beers. Um We stayed in a woman called June's house who only had one eye because she'd lost one eye in a fight there. Uh, Throwing potatoes with her friends, she was a tatty picker. Well, um, and the following day we ate at Greg's in uh, in Aberdeen train station, like absolute champs. So yeah, I was I was I was okay at that kind of thing. But at seventeen, I started my first first band, inspiration from somebody else, knowing that I could do it better. Mm-hmm. And I had that band for a couple of years, but then we were too young. We had creative differences. Some, I always wanted to keep it hard, heavy, fast. Other people wanted to slow down. <laughs> it's like, you know, I don't know if you've never been in a band, I don't think. No, you?
0: I am not musical in you know, any just, shape or but form. When there's,
1: so on average, there's four or five people in a band. And yeah. It's literally like four or five separate relationships. Mm-hmm. It's Very hard to keep
0: imagine. Every,
1: everybody together on the same track. Sometimes you just get those people that just want to play music. Like The guy, Johnny, that played the guitar, he was, you know, he's like, I just want to play guitar. Mm-hmm. I'm fine, I'll do whatever. But then other people have. And out of those, so that, that's my first band. We, they sort of faded away into obscurity. My second band, uh, there was four of us. The guy from my first band, he also played guitar in the second band. I'm still yeah good friends with the three other, there was four of us, three other guys um, today. Mm-hmm. Uh, still really good friends with them. And then I fell out of love with it. Those guys, maybe I'm getting ahead of the game here. Those guys all went on and formed another band that I wasn't part of, mm-hmm. that I had no interest in. Another it started working in theatre, um, and predominantly the work is at night and at weekends, and I didn't have a taste for it at all until they fired one of the guys that was in my second band, the bass player. They fired him because they thought he had lack of commitment. And I just Mm. thought that was a really shitty thing to do. Mm -hmm. So I sent him a text one afternoon. I lived in a flat in Barchment. I sent him a text saying, Do you wanna play some fucking metal? And he said, Fucking right, I do. (laughs) And I formed my third band based on the fact that they had thrown him out of and something I really wasn't inspired to do at all, but I was just like, Why did you get rid of that guy? Yeah, you're a bunch of wankers. Yeah. So then I formed a band that became Edinburgh's not a particularly big place, but I formed a band that then became the main competition to Edinburgh's metal band at, at the time that he was previously in. And they were like, oh, holy shit. No, um, oh, holy shit, Pringle's better than our singer. Holy <laughs> shit, he's he's better at working an audience than... And they, they even came up to me and said that to me and said, we're thinking about getting rid of our singer. Trying to get to? you. And I'm like, no, you're all right, you know. Yeah. You can join MABA.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's flip, reverse um, this.
1: Yeah, um, which, funnily enough, you said flipped and reverse this. My second band that I was in a band with them was called Inversus. Oh, well, there which you go. Just Latin for it to turn upside down, because we were like we don't want to have a satanic name, so we'll use a Latin name.
0: Right, it means to
1: turn, to turn the cross towards hell.
0: And who were your big inspirations for like heavy metal?
1: Pro, uh, well, for singing in general, mm-hmm. um, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but. Potentially at first Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder when they released Ebony and Ivory the single that really okay. blew me away in 1981 or 82 I think it was. Uh-huh. Survivor when they released Eye of the Tiger. I thought that in 1983 I thought that was incredible. Then at the same time my mum was listening to Meat Loaf. Mm-hmm. So that music appealed to me because I heard the guitar in Survivor's Eye of the Tiger and I like Meat Loaf's guitar. You grew driven. up in the
0: perfect era for it.
1: I was very lucky to yeah. the People say they're like kids of the 80s because they were born in 1985. No, 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 no. <laughs> you were five when the 80s finished. I was born in 1974. I was six going into the 80s and I was 16 when I left. Mm-hmm. So I had, as far as I'm concerned, or if somebody was eight when the 80s started. Sure, sure,
0: 18, sure. I get it. I had you.
1: the best time. I was able to go to the cinema to see The Goonies, to see Top Gun, mm-hmm. to see Ghostbusters, you mm-hmm. know, all these things. things iconic stuff. things now, yeah. Iconic works a well. lot. <laughs> At this time those guys yeah I mean, the whole quest with metal in general is you're always looking for the next heaviest thing the okay next fastest thing you're always topping this up until a certain point As i find you're always topping somebody always comes out and makes it better so after that some guys i was at school with lent me some tapes by dio and iron maiden and i particularly like them great singing style a little bit harder and then somebody gives you a Metallica tape and then a Slayer tape and an Anthrax tape. And then from there, I just got heavily into your net Our Maiden's lyrics were more historically or f- uh, fantasy-based. Mm-hmm. In thrash metal, they are more socio-politically based. But still, some bands sing about gore and that kind of... Right. Because it's it theatre... But in death metal, most of the bands again all sound about political. First time I was ever made aware of climate change was in 1989 by a band from Arizona called Sacred Reich with a song called "Crimes Against Humanity," and I had no idea that polar ice caps were melting and all that kind of. I they've thing, been doing
0: know. that's been long, doing it for a long time, long, ain't long
1: time. Yeah, a lot of other songs dealt with kids who were struggling through teenage years and committed suicide. Mm. So a lot of the records would all have. Uh, little stance on them I still remember was, to this day stop the madness with a broken needle and there was a line you could call if you'd been doing you know harder drugs or if you were contemplating suicide and stuff like that a lot of people who get into it not so much here in Scotland obviously or, or England or whatever but a lot of people who get into it are from heavily religious doctrines and backgrounds yeah because it's operators.
0: quite religious a-
1: anti, anti Yeah, yeah, anti-catholic. but they, that's so a theme. a lot of the people yeah. that get into it have been brought up by very strict, stern parents who would take them to right church three, four times a week or whatever, and mm. it's a great way of rebelling or getting your anger out. But it, it, the music is very, uh, very highly energized, mm-hmm. very, very driven.
0: Yeah, yes. and. Was that something that you thought you wanted to do? You thought I'm going to be the lead singer in a band and we're going to be famous. Is that like what's going on in your yeah. head? Yeah.
1: Yeah, because I thought. Um,
0: and I know you did, make it pretty yeah, we, big. We, yeah. yeah, yeah
1: we, 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 in Scotland, we did okay. Um, that second band I was in, we we're in the top 50 best unsigned death metal bands of all time. Nice. You could say that's not a great accolade because. <laughs> The other forty-nine were all unsigned as well, but it was more uh, the ones that should have got signed, the ones you should have watched. Yeah, yeah. Um, And unbeknown to me, people had uploaded the tunes onto YouTube and stuff. And when somebody made me aware of this a couple of years ago, I went on and there was all these comments Mm -hmm. from people going, "Oh my god, this band are great!" And I was like, "Wow, that's utterly intense." That. This is a a cassette that we recorded in 1993, which was actually produced in Portobello, Mm -hmm. um, the cheapest cassette manufacturer. So we actually, that first demo that is is uploaded on YouTube, which you can still hear, it's called Wounded Innocence by uh, Inversus was the name of the band. We recorded that at A&R Recording Studios in Pitt Street. Um really uh, always interesting stories with people, the guy that recorded it, his name was Marco Gio. Mm-hmm. He pretended to be Italian, but he was actually Pakistani and he <laughs> pretended to be Italian because he'd suffered so much racism um, in in his life. And he, he was really, he was a shocking alcoholic. But a really cool guy. I did the vocals on my 18th birthday. The guy was a shocking alcoholic. A, or a really, He was a great alcoholic.
0: <laughs> the best. He was really
1: good at it. Um, he made me go to the bar upstairs and buy him a pint on my birthday. And this was a proper daggers on the bar type. Right. Type pub. It was not a little 18-year-old private school boy, me, who at this point in time had left school. So I had a shaved head, apart from at the very front of my fringe. My <laughs> fringe went down past about halfway oh down my like, god! Down
0: my chest. Yeah, I remember seeing pictures yeah, of you so like they, that. They
1: call it a devil lock or something like that now. And when I would headbang with it, I would headbang with that round in a circle. It <laughs> would go round and do its own thing. People thought I was more of a psychobilly <laughs> than, a, than a metal guy. Um, but we, we recorded that there, and then as I said... I was the only one in the band that actually did anything about anything, so I found the artwork, I got uh, my mum worked in the whiskey industry at the time, so I got her work to print the inner labels for the cassette, so I had a full fold-out thing with a thanks list on it, and everything. Mm-hmm. your brother's name was mentioned on it because he used to do our lights for us whenever we would play at the venue. Yeah, um, And I found a place in actually it wasn't Portobello, it was Musselboro called Mac Track Duplicating and I took our demo cassette down there, the master tape, took it down there and got them to make it. And the guy that uh, owned the place was probably about forty or fifty at the time, and he put it on just to hear the quality of it. And he said, "What kind of fucking music's that? That's no fucking music." <laughs> and then I said, "Well, listen, just fucking get it made. That's it. I'm not asking for your critique. Just mm-hmm. get it made." And we'd already had a logo done for us, and we had it was a white cassette with blue printing on it. And do you remember the cartoon Count Ducula yeah. At the time. <clears throat> well, Count Duckula's logo was this sort of jaggy-shaped comedy-type logo. Uh-huh. And we got a friend of ours, De Sanchez, who was in my band for about two minutes until it worked out that he was quite the megalomaniac. He needed to have control of his own band, and that's what he left and did. He designed the logo for us, and I thought it was amazing. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. But then when it came down to it, it turned... Somebody said to me, that looks just like Count Duckula's logo. (laughs) And uh, we'd already had everything printed. Oh, um, no. Unfortunately. So I went to my track duplicating a couple of weeks later to go and pick up the tapes. And when I got there, the guy had put... So there was six songs, one side with three songs on it, the other side with the other three songs on it. Got there, and the guy had put side one on both sides because he couldn't tell the difference between the music.
0: So when did a theatre come into play?
1: When I was 18, I inherited some money, I bought a video shop, bought uh, the business, not the, not the premises. I went to work there and I gave all of my friends who couldn't really do any other jobs, mm-hmm. the sort of dregs of humanity, AKA your big brother, uh, the bass player. <laughs> They all worked for me, and all of us still lived at home. At that's the time.
0: very cool. At eighteen to on your well, own. Well, think
1: of it. We've already touched business. on. I've already counted it. I know. Money. I know. I've already
0: sold, <laughs> you know. I know. But it's still, yeah. it's still like to being able to do that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah.
1: It was. I, w- I was in there. Uh, I had Saturday off. I worked every other day, ten in the morning till nine at night. I mm-hmm. was in there all the time. So I was a video shop. It wasn't that hard. <laughs> um, and I was there for a couple of years so till I was about twenty, and then.
0: Can I ask a question about the video shop? Yeah. What was like their most popular, like?
1: Oh, the bodyguard by Kevin Costner. Was it? Fucking massive. Yeah. Had four copies of that.
0: Really? Had four were copies. they out all the time? They
1: were out all the time. That was a really big one. Uh, Do you know
0: who and... Michelle Visage is? No. Oh.
1: <laughs> was she an American? She. The
0: she's the judge with RuPaul on right. RuPaul's Drag Race. I think but... I met RuPaul have you?
1: Well remember I told you I was with one of the guys. No you told me
0: you, you've would you you met Bianca Del Rio.
1: But one of the well I don't know I can't remember the names and I think that's why well, we, we all got on so well was because I didn't care. Yes but probably. But one of the guys said to me when I was in Las Vegas just to make you aware you were with drag royalty right now.
0: Well it was either Bianca or well if it was Rapel, that's fucking mental but you would have it, to ask Isabella no. But um Michelle Visage, they all, a running joke on the show because they slag her for it, but she was very good Is that she was in the soundtrack to Bodyguard oh, well. and they bring it up a lot. So that's my only reference to Bodyguard. I the Bodyguard. I don't, to, I've never seen what? it. Neither have I. Yeah?
1: Even if I, I could, because <laughs> they were always out. They were always
0: yeah.
1: out. <laughs> oh, that, was, that was a big renter. So it was an American tale. The cartoon was a Little Five Old the Mouse. Um, oh, I've
0: not seen that either.
1: I used to do three cartoons for 50p. Who doesn't want, you know?
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah, I know. It's good times. So when cable came into the area, oh, the profit no. started suffering because people obviously
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: didn't uh, come and rent stuff because you could just get it sent to your house. The festival theatre had not long opened and your brother started working there on the stage crew because he went to get a tattoo uh, from a guy who was actually who actually did the job that I do now. Uh, he had that job, but he also tattooed in his spare time. He now has his own shop. Uh, At the bottom of Lee's walk. It's been there for about 20 odd years or so. Um, But yeah, Chris went. He worked there because this guy said to him, we're short, a couple of people, can you come and do props for the show? And Chris had already been at the theatre workshop and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So he was like, yeah, sure. And he took along another friend of ours on the Thursday night for the opening night um, of said show. And the other guy didn't like it at all. Mm
0: -hmm. So,
1: and I met them in the pear tree that night at 10 p.m. right after the show. Because for, for whatever reason that year, we were obsessed about going to the pear tree. Uh,
0: We've so all had was, that moment. <laughs>
1: so, it was a very different bar. It was a biker bar then.
0: Right, okay. So like <laughs> Quite different. Uh,
1: it was all metal kids, metal fans and stuff. Um That's cool. Yeah, Chris was there, met him for a beer afterwards. And this other chap was moaning that he didn't like it. It just wasn't for him. And I said, well, I'll go with you tomorrow if you want. Mm-hmm. And he went, really? And I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing anything tomorrow night. I'll get one of our other friends, I'll get him to look after the shop. And I was, here we go. So the following night, I walked in. And this it's one of the things that I love about theatre, which still exists to this day. This chap had started on Thursday. The following day, your brother had walked in with someone else and gone, that guy I had yesterday didn't like it, but I've brought my other mate instead. Mm-hmm. And the boss just went, okay. Because he still needed somebody for yeah. the show that night. And he said to me, "Have you done this before, Mark?" And I said, "Yeah." And I walked through the door, and I went, "Shit! Look at Jesus Christ! Look at the size of
0: this!" Yeah, it's not something you can just it's not walk something into you doing. Can just pick
1: up, and in any job, there's terminology <laughs> involved with every job, and I've of course any of the yeah. terminology. So when people were saying, "Do this, do that," I was like, "What?"
0: Well, like, can you explain exactly what you do? Because you still do this job so today.
1: What I do now is. Uh, I'm the head flyman at the Festival Theatre in Edinburgh, so I put all of the flying and sometimes rigging or overseas rigging. I put all that up in the air above the audience's head. So that's anything from flying people to scenery to lights to speakers to whatever needs to go above above the stage. At times when there isn't much scenery, I'm all, I also work on the stage where there isn't much flying scenery. I work on the stage, put the scenery together. Um,
0: so yeah, not a job that you can just pick up.
1: Not not a job that you can just pick up. But then a few weeks ago, I spent most of the time stage managing the question and answer that we did with this cast of still game. Mm-hmm. So there's It's all show specific. It all changes, sure, dependent upon what it is
0: adaptability that we
1: have in there. But um, I, I worked on the stage for about five or six years before I went. In.
0: Right. Okay. So there's a
1: little, like a right of passage, a learning curve. You have to know what's happening down. On the st- before you can go makes sense upstairs yeah. yeah yeah
0: how long did Chris last?
1: Chris was there again we were still playing music at the time no actually I think I just stopped playing music I had to I fell out that's when I fell out of love with it for a little bit because it's too much work trying to keep all those people together right but Chris in any city there's a thousand singers for every thousand singer there's one drummer so yes. Chris Chris My drums.
0: dad says such things yeah. all the time. Or a
1: guitar players so there's maybe thirty mm-hmm. for every for every singer there's thirty guitar players, but drummers are always much more sought after. In particular if you've got your own drum kit. Mm-hmm. Which Chris did. He had a kit that was made of scaffolding as uh, <laughs> as it was once called in a review of a show. Um he was there for three or four weeks and then he went away and played some shows. With the band the Gin Goblins, who were were getting quite big at the time, Do um, I remember that name. Yeah, their their guitar player, Big John, uh, who's just returned to Scotland. Actually, used to live in. He used to run the uh, Milky Way, the Milkweg in Amsterdam, great concert venue. He was a guitar player. and He'd famously been in Nirvana for about three weeks before Kurt, <laughs> Kurt Cobain sadly uh, left left us, um, mm. and he was in the Exploited for a while as well. So Chris was already playing the shows with those guys, and they were constantly making the news for their shock rock tactics and throwing blood in the audience. And unlike a lot of other bands, they went to places like Orkney and stuff and played. So right. They actually had, out of anybody, had a following in Orkney long, long before internet existed. around. Like yeah, that. yeah. Um, And they were in the Sun newspaper and stuff like that. So he was on and off for a, a couple of months and then the following year during the festival, which is when we get, the bigger the show, the more money you get paid, the longer it takes, etc. Chris was coming back from a gig and told everybody he should be back from 9.30 and he arrived <clears throat> at the theatre at half past ten. Mm. And everyone Not like, great.
0: Not great, but when you're, <laughs> when you're
1: 21 you think that Yeah, you okay. don't give a shit you when you're young. Yeah. Okay. But he'd already been replaced. Right. He essentially said that he wouldn't be there. <clears throat> and then... My business had pretty much gone out of business by then, so I was trying my best to knuckle down, learn as much. Again, very similar to when I was at primary school, it was very quiet. Mm -hmm. I waited until I knew what I was on about before I actually, before the flamboyant overconfidence that I display on a daily basis came to fruition. (laughs) Um, So he still did the odd bits and pieces with us, but he was already... Quite successful in his band, and then latterly towards the end of that first year, uh, or second year, I was at the theatre. He got a job with the bicycle cooperative, mm. uh, putting together uh, mountain bikes and stuff. Of which he then, carried, yeah. not long after that, left and moved to Arizona. Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: And you stayed in the theatre. So, what part of what drew you in? Like, what do you think's kept you there?
1: When I was young, when I first started, when I was twenty twenty one. Uh, there was a lot of cool people from all over the world who'd come in every week, different companies every week. You, I'd never met people from Brazil before. I'd never met people from Israel. I thought it was really cool. It was mm-hmm. uh, exciting. Yeah, uh, Every Tuesday we'd be opening night, so there'd be a free party. So you could have whatever drinks you wanted. Uh, pretty nice. Yeah, it was. It was pretty cool. You mm-hmm. had the opportunity to mix and match with everybody in there, of which I was not able to do because I was not confident enough to go Beautiful looking woman.
0: (laughs) That sounds intimidating. I just
1: lost my video shop. (laughs) That that kept me there. Um, The fact that it's just a high turnover of people and different things coming in, so I suppose with every job you're continually learning, but with some 90% of it stays the same, whereas this no two weeks were the same.
0: I way prefer that as well I think yeah. it's more mentally stimulating yeah, definitely. for sure definitely it gets really mundane yeah. if you're just doing the same thing which
1: is why so from that day I started till today that's 29 years
0: wow
1: in one workplace which is I've had a couple of sabbaticals um, to go and do other things mm-hmm. uh, or when I was just hanging out with a band Soulfly Touring the World and living for free and singing on stages in front of 100,000 people, uh, as you do. (laughs) As you do. As you do. Uh, But yeah, 29 years. But definitely the turnover, international companies, and the fact that I was seeing, and this is still to this day when people say to me, I don't like the ballet, I don't like the opera. How many have you seen? No. Mm -hmm. So you don't know whether you like it or not. You can't base it on channel. an assumption. You can't base it on channel hopping on on a TV.
0: Mm. Okay, so what's your favourite type of theatre?
1: I like contemporary dance the best, modern dance the best. Yeah, That's fair. I don't
0: think thing. I've ever seen um, that. You should go, you, you should come and see. I it. know, I'd love to. I, I love the theatre.
1: Yeah, contemporary dance, definitely. Um, the movement, uh, movement, invariably, the music, the lighting, uh, the lack of set and scenery, or at times <laughs> the set and scenery that they have, it's very different to... With a musical, you know what you're getting. Just having yeah. moments just dancing. The sad moments, there's the falling in love, there's
0: the same kind of. It's
1: very formulaic opera. Somebody yeah. Always dies ballet. Several people always die. <laughs> um, but contemporary dancing, because they're uh, generally speaking is is uh, is visual. It's not oral. You have to take. You have to make the story from what you're seeing. Yeah. Um, and yeah. quite often, be um, the first to admit that took me four or five years before I was actually able. To, to work out. I mean, there's only so much you can do with the body, but it took me four or five years before I was actively able to sit down and watch a whole show and understand everything mm-hmm. that was happening. Because to a lot of people, it just looks like people throwing shapes.
0: Well, I think that comes with age and stuff as well. Yeah. You learn to acknowledge other things that maybe you wouldn't initially be interested in yeah. at first, but I mean, then I you're I've like, never well... Thought, never thought yeah.
1: in a million years I would be sitting watching this. Or now... What's more interesting to me now is, as far as I'm concerned, I can actually sit and watch something and critique it, so I know whether or not it's good or bad, and I know whether. Seen it's. enough. Shows. Then when I go and read the review in the Guardian, I go. I
0: mean, <laughs>
1: really never watched the same show I did. You know that was either A terrible or B really bad. You know.
0: What's the hardest shows to do, and I don't know if that necessarily means like physically the hardest or like mentally. Like I don't but know what's.
1: It's all physical, so it's all I, hard. Yeah. It's all hard on the body. The amount of persons that, yeah. when I started working, I've now all passed away, and I've not made the age of sixty is a little bit scary. Um, but it's really? a much tougher lifestyle than a lot more partying. Sure, the yeah, eighties and early nineties and stuff and drug taking as well, I suppose. Um, harder things if you do. not like something. Like Miss Saigon, I didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. Didn't know the music, didn't really know the story? I'll just let it unfold, I'll see what happens. Turned out that was like torture to me. Really? That was very hard for I've me. never seen it. This is very hard for me to put up with, I just wasn't interested. I found it very hard. It's like watching your least favourite movie twice a day, mm. every day. Um, generally, people are demanding mm-hmm. everywhere, in every aspect of life some people are more demanding than others some people not necessarily the actors or dancers or whatever or orchestra or divas generally orchestras are always more divatastic than than actors or singers or or dancers um sometimes I, i find it quite hard when everything that we do in front of an audience is obviously done live so if you make a mistake yeah. You, you potentially knackered fifteen hundred people's night out if you have to stop the show or reset things. Then isn't it, it, Does that happen? Yeah, it happens periodically. Yeah, oh. Sometimes out with your control. Some, sometimes things just don't work sure. for whatever reasons. You know, sometimes you you know, you plug it in, it just doesn't turn on, you don't know why, and then it turns on later on. Um, sometimes I find it quite depending on who's working with me, I can't physically control other people. Mm-hmm. So when I'm running the fly floor and there's four or five other people with me, I don't know how much attention they're paying. I don't know, you know, when they're chatting with each other. In the early days, there was no phones, so nobody was on their phone. These days, people get their phones out, and I say, just put your
0: fucking phone away yeah. for two minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And then, and then you feel like an asshole for saying that, but there's a reason why. Because then, when you make a mistake and there's a knock on,
0: yeah,
1: those are things that are out with my control. But mm-hmm. so- sometimes working with people. That's the toughest thing. Some people are easier to get on with Yeah. others. At now approaching 50, I've found it's harder for me to be in touch with... The average age of people that bring shows is 25 to 30. Mm-hmm. That was great when I was 22, 25, 30, 35. Now almost 50, I'm a little bit more out of touch from their point of view, not mine. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit more out of touch. So sometimes um, I, I feel myself being ignored. For the younger guys that are 30 that I work with, Mm -hmm. and I just go, fine, fuck you. (laughs) That's not correct, but on you.
0: You're missing out, but it's fine.
1: (laughs) That could be a little bit tough. And then I realised that probably when I was that age, I discounted people who were 50, 45, 50, whatever.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, hopefully not as bad as sometimes I experience it these days.
0: Yeah. That's shitty.
1: It is, but what can well what can you do? Because these, well, these yeah, know. back then the guys that were in charge would just say, Shut the fuck up, that's not correct. Here's what we're gonna do. If I take that attitude, I'll be on the charge. Yes. You know, it's a very different,
0: and it's, it's true. It's very yeah. different
1: way of doing things. And it, those guys back then were nine times out of ten were probably correct. Right. You know,
0: yeah,
1: in, in in that they're problem solving, like no, shut the fuck. This is how. We're, not on their attitude necessarily, mm-hmm. but they were probably correct in, in what they were. You don't know it all. Don't be so cocky. Here we go. Yeah, you know?
0: yeah, very, very true, yeah. very true. Have you ever got to travel with it, or is it just always been situated to Edinburgh?
1: That's a good question. I've been offered several times, mm-hmm. and generally told people to bolt. Because I had no interest in being in Hull on the first of January when I was twenty four <laughs> years old. Fair. Uh, travel with it. Yeah, I once did. A f- uh, we used to do a show called Blood Brothers quite a lot. Um, and once when they were going to Dunfermline, it was an unknown quantity. They didn't know what the theatre was like there, mm-hmm. so they asked a few of us to go to the theatre in Dunfermline and help them fit it up. Uh, Scottish Shopper used to invite us through to Glasgow frequently to go and watch their shows before they came to Edinburgh just so we'd have a better understanding of them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now I regularly go and recce shows before they come here. So in December I'll go and see Hamilton in Manchester before it right. comes to us for three months. Just yeah. To
0: look at the logistics so that's
1: it. a big one. So, uh, well, it's got a small show, but it's a big As in like big name.
0: people big name, yeah. love Hamilton. I'll
1: see it for three months. <laughs> yeah. No, I've never independently worked for... I've done lots of little gigs uh outside edinburgh for everybody from shell oil to the royal bank of scotland um to old computer game show called bits that was on channel 4 mm-hmm. used to go and build our set in glasgow and then take it down once it finished filming That's cool used to set up stuff for the royal highland show these are all things that you can get through theatre for meeting other people that yeah. do other freelance jobs because yeah. even though there's a theatre degree now technical theatre degree it is almost still worthless because you're, if you're any good and you actually start that job, if you're any good, you'll never do an interview again. People will just say, Lucy can yeah. do that, Lucy can do it. And then two years down the line, it's a given for Lucy.
0: Yeah, and I day. imagine it must be, I mean, obviously it's beneficial to do a degree or whatever, if, if that's what you want to do. But I imagine just like learning your job on the job learning is the, the job. just the best way I mean, to do, do it.
1: Doing a degree is definitely, it just shows people that you can concentrate and achieve something in a you know three-year period, four-year, five-year period or whatever. You can knuckle down and get something done. Whereas the job I do, that's all very well but you still have to come here and prove to me physically that you can do this job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to get on with it. Yeah. So it's it's almost adverse in that it, it doesn't really prove too much, you know? Everything yeah. that, that we do, you can learn on the job. You don't necessarily need to go to college.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah.
1: probably found that yourself. Like, yeah, yeah, well. Well, you've reinvented <laughs> yourself from there.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, oh God, you could go back and forth with education, well, like higher education and uni and all that stuff. But like I do feel like now it's, it's not pointless. It's just not everything.
1: The world has vastly moved on.
0: Yeah. It used to be, it used to be mean odd, a but lot.
1: But now, I mean, for God's sake, <clears throat> it, we did a show four or five years ago called Dan TDN. You mm-hmm. guy's are YouTuber. Didn't know anything about him. Oh, YouTuber, him. he plays video games on YouTube. He streams it. Yeah. People watch it. Yeah. He sold it. People
0: love s- that stuff. He
1: sold it at the Festival Theatre in about twenty minutes.
0: What was the show?
1: He stood on stage. He sat on stage on a couch. Stood up sometimes, and he played video games on a screen, and people watched it. No,
0: really. And he
1: talked people through what he was doing <clears throat> in wild. Minecraft or whatever. Yeah. And the guy. Not only that night, it sold out. The biggest. Theatre in Scotland, third largest in in the UK, had sold it sold out, but was still making money from all his YouTube videos that people were watching. his, his
0: while he was doing stuff. it, yeah, and yeah, it I deep. mean, and
1: he's still now on tour. What one of the guys that worked with us for a wee while a couple of years ago, he's a on tour with him just now. He was, they were just went all the way through Australia.
0: I've never heard of that live.
1: Exactly, there's so streaming? much stuff now. There's so much stuff now that you're not. Like I still think mm. of you as hip, even though you're now there. <laughs> 32. 32. <laughs> um, but there's so much stuff that you're, you know.
0: Oh, yeah, no. Because that's of technology, crazy.
1: it's created all these other.
0: But it's not, it's not, the, I, I wouldn't, like, I guess I can understand that that would be a thing, but I'm like, why would you want to watch that?
1: Well, tomorrow we're going to go and li- watch them lift <laughs> a log above their head. <laughs> but that's because
0: exactly? you're taking me there, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. uh, Whatever, Lucy, <laughs> You wish I bought the tickets. Yeah, no, I'm just yeah. chumming you. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I guess there's something out there for everybody, basically. I'm not like yeah it is what it is twitching twitch streaming is yeah so a thing. lot of the Would guys they'll
1: follow they'll go on twitch they'll play call of duty they, yeah these are strongmen um all, and they do a little bit chat they do question and answer while that you know you can type in whatever and they'll twitch
0: and, is kind of the and they, they place to be yeah you make good money from that yeah, from from yeah. That. yeah, yeah totally yeah.
1: Don't forget, guys! I'll be streaming live on my YouTube, on my
0: Twitch,
1: you know. Fucking I don't know how many platforms does this guy need, but they, that's how you make money these days.
0: It is. Because
1: nobody buys records.
0: I know. Well, I actually seen that there was something in the news about music companies not being able to uh, like get breakthrough artists anymore mm. because it's all it just well, yeah. they'll blow up online and they're already big, so.
1: Yeah. The music
0: industries aren't able to like gatekeep it anymore. Yeah, you know, and then release who they want to release. It's like it's not down to you anymore. Yeah, which, which I interesting, which
1: I agree with. I think it's a much better thing. Same. So what at the height of our popularity when we would when our sister band, extremist when other people would be talking about, oh maybe we might sign a deal with them. Yeah, what will we get? Nothing. You'll get nothing. They'll own everything that you've written.
0: It's bullshit. You know,
1: all the intelligent property. Mm-hmm. You don't have anything. They will forward you five grand to record that. And I was like, wow, you get forward. I went, No, that just means they've lent you five grand. They still want that back.
0: Oh, really? Yeah,
1: it doesn't. Or an God. advance. an advance. Sure, uh, sure. So if you say they've advanced this 100 a th- a grand to record this, yeah, but you owe that. And if you don't make that out of sales... You then owe them Mm -hmm. the balance on. Mm -hmm. So when Naomi Campbell made her album.
0: Naomi Campbell?
1: Yes, exactly. The
0: model. I'm
1: going to tell you why you don't know she has an album. (laughs) When she made an album, they advanced millions to to her to make that album. Uh She made this pop record. Uh 12 songs, let's say 8 songs or whatever. And it sold in its first week of release globally. How much do you think?
0: What year was this?
1: Oh, probably ninety five, ninety six. Let me reference. I
0: mean, she's still in peak, I guess. Um,
1: oh, she still looks shit well, yeah. Uh,
0: how many albums does she sell? Oh
1: God. How many copies of said album did she sell in that first week?
0: I've got nothing to base it on. Nineteen
1: ninety four. It's it called Baby Woman.
0: Baby Woman. Yeah.
1: I mean, I know, I know exactly how many it's sold because. I, I,
0: okay, I've got it. Like a hundred thousand copies.
1: 16. <laughs>
0: Sixteen.
1: Sixteen copies. Sixteen. Sixteen
0: copies. Oh, I'm right. that's surprising though, purely just because of who she is. I'd just be intrigued to hear it.
1: Back then, though, none of those people had a platform to yeah, be Yeah, I guess, very heard. different, yeah. It was just a face. It was just something that, that you know... And to, for somebody like me, I just saw a beautiful person. I didn't see a pair of jeans. It was mm. just like, oh, she looks hot. <laughs> but I did not care for, you know, she's got a record coming out. Well, I've never even seen her speak.
0: Uh-huh. You know? That's I, I so funny. I had no idea she had an album. She must have done lots of things, though. That, uh, oh, I mean, yeah. I, they all I mean, do. They, they all, all, all try things oh, yeah, out, they don't know, they? Idea. Yeah,
1: I, she probably didn't even want to. For all I know. Yeah, maybe told,
0: forced to do it. You're like getting it. an album.
1: <laughs> I'm a, you're getting a fucking album. That's probably how that went down. But yeah, it's it's an advance. So all of that um, money you, you would get to record uh. that you owe them all of that, all of that money.
0: I mean, I know we, we spoke about it earlier, but speaking of famous people, I know you don't get starstruck. Really?
1: I've been starstruck a couple of times. Well, I was going to ask
0: who's starstruck you? Cherry
1: Halliwell, maybe quite starstruck. I remember you telling me that. Actually. I had to actually go.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: She's even prettier in person. She is than. stunning. So I had to walk away in Waterstones and compose myself. <laughs> I, was like, I thought this would be cool, but no, this isn't cool. I'd...
0: Why were you? Why was she in Waterstones?
1: She was signing your book.
0: Also, did you go in for a book signing? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I went in
1: for a book we're A big signing. fan then? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just. No wonder then.
1: No, you know, you fancy Sunday. Yeah. See? Yeah. Was her book good? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I bought a copy of it and got her to sign it uh, for my nieces. But I mean, really, I was just there to introduce myself. Mm-hmm. And I've told you the story, haven't
0: I? Aye, but you've not told the pod.
1: <laughs> so once I composed myself, and th- I didn't realise how tiny she was. Very tiny. Tiny person. Right. Must be five foot, five foot one. Okay. A third of my body weight. Absolutely tiny. Yeah. Tiny little thing. Yeah. I was just smiling away and I was like, Oh my god, there she is. She's <laughs> even cooler in person than um <laughs> So I composed hope oh, it don't sound really seedy and pervy. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't do luckily it. she's the same age as me. Uh, and I waited in the queue for not often for some very big queue oh <laughs> uh, And I put the book down in front of her and I said Hi, Jerry, could you could you sign that to uh, Jessica and Sophia, please? And she said, of course I can. And I said, can I ask you a really important question? And there's no word lie. like. She mm-hmm. looked up from the book and said to me, you have a very beautiful voice. <laughs> nice. I said, thank you. She went, what's your question? I said, what well, time's your flight back down to London? <laughs> Are we going out tonight for a drink or <laughs> what's happening? And she, uh-huh. she laughed and she went, I think it's just after six pm. Mm-hmm. I went. Oh well, better look next time. And she went. Better look next time, and gave me the book and off of I went. She might. You were have,
0: flirting with Jerry Hallowell. I tried my best. <laughs>
1: <she> might have <laughs> phoned the special squad after that and said put him on the list. I don't know. Uh, like a special squad of police, you know but she said I had a nice voice she gave me a couple of nice that's nice, that's a positive Um, interaction Her, I was quite starstruck with her the first time I met Pavarotti Mm -hmm. he showed up behind me and pushed me I didn't know who it was he pushed me and said move move (laughs) and I I turned around and as I was turning around I was like I don't give a fuck who you are you're about to get a lesson And and then I saw it was him and I thought just say nothing, Mark. Yeah. Just move on. And it was explained to me about 10 minutes later that he had broken his knee and it was still broken at that point in time. So at that body weight, right. he was obviously in a lot of pain supporting himself and he was making his way to his stool to sit down. Um, and his stool is a different story. He left a shite so big in dressing room number one that one of the cleaners had to go and get a pair of scissors and cut it up because Bleach and everything just wouldn't, no. wouldn't make it go away. But that night, I watched him sing Ness and Dorma at the Royal Variety performance for the Queen, and I stood with Kat Deley Busted, Rachel Stevens from S Club 7, Frank yes. Bruno. I stood with all these guys, like, oh my god, and we were all like, wow, we're seeing Ness and Dorma. Life by Pavarotti, which doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. It was,
1: it was really crazy. I'm trying to think who else is there? The Osmonds, if anyone even knows who the Osmonds are. Um, mm. But yeah, it was, it was really nice. So I was, I was, I was only starstruck by him in that I didn't know it was him that was behind me, Fair. pushing my right shoulder. Yeah, get a bit of uh, a fright. Yeah, um, Charlotte Church.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're really. Um, calling back some names know, that I'd forgotten about, like Charlotte Church. Wow.
1: Sometimes, sometimes though, some some people can just take you back. Yeah, I was once sitting in Phoenix Sky Harbor Airport, and I've listened to Megadeth since I was fourteen years old. So at this point in time, I've probably listened to them for a good twenty odd years. Uh absolutely love Megadeth, Dave Mustaine. I've always loved. Them. They've got a couple of the albums, but I've always loved them. Anyway, I'm sitting there at the sports bar about to get on a flight back to London and walking down the course concourse comes Dave Mustaine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's six foot two character, long flowing ginger hair. When he headbangs, he does a really slow headbang. Okay. His hair flops up and down. It's known globally <laughs> in the mental community as the jellyfish okay. because it moves up and down just like a jellyfish. Uh-huh. So he was walking towards me and I'd already had a pint and at this point in time, I'd hung out with Max from Soulfly a lot, so I'd met quite a lot of the people from my record collection, like the guys from Slayer and everything. It's all been on one-to-one name terms with them and had a laugh with these people. And as Dave Mustaine was walking down the concourse, I put my hand up and I shouted, Dave! 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 <laughs> and I got his attention, and he like nodded to me and went, hey, man, and he started walking over. And then I thought, Shit you don't know him. You only know him because you've been going to see all his concerts and watch his music videos your whole life. Mm-hmm. And he sat down and he went, hey man, we, we know each other. And I went, yeah, yeah, I, I know uh, Brian, your guitar tech because he, he's good friends with Fatty that works for... Uh, So fine. I I think we've met at some stage of the game, and he's like, yeah. I had no idea at the time that he'd completely uh, relapsed from being a junkie and a a jakey. And he was like, what are you drinking? I said, I'll get you a beer, it's not a problem. Oh, no. So the two of us sat and had four beers together. Uh But from my point of view, I got to... uh, I got to interview... Threw up in your nuts again. The 14-year-old kid of me got to sit and have a beer with one of his icons, you know. I got to ask him all these questions and we chatted and everything. And he gave me... He wrote down his recipe for his favourite cocktail on the the waitress's napkin and everyone. We had a great chat. And when the bill... I said, listen, I've got to go get my flight. He went, yeah, me too. And uh, when the bill came, I went, I'll get this. And he went, you sure? And I went... I've been putting money in your pocket since 1989. Why stop now? And he laughed. For me, that was his cue to go, I'll get these. But he didn't. <laughs> uh, he so he' still pay like for a, them? I paid like 50 bucks or whatever. But yeah. it was more than... Most... When you follow somebody's career... His, his career with Megadeth is the same as my career with Megadeth. I've been along the whole... He just didn't know that I was on his sharp tails, you know? Sure. So the whole thing... So we had a lot to chat about. And I was like, you know, $50 to... To get to have that conversation to have an hour with you do you know when people
0: pay more for like a meet and greet that's like exactly. yeah picture and you're and, out and of there just had
1: four beers yeah you know? that's yeah. pretty cool i always remember he took a huge gulp every time on his first pint and i was like well wow. uh, we also wow. got a, camera phones <laughs> had just become a thing so i got a selfie that well it wasn't selfie actually the waiter or waitress took it minutes the two of us together me and Dave saying, I'll, I'll show you and I pointed to him mm-hmm. like this, like, wow, oh, fucking, check it out David Steen. But he's a lot taller than me. Mm-hmm. So in the picture, I'm merely pointing to his cock. <laughs> so I cleaned, uh, Perfect. When, I, when I put it on Facebook, after I
0: didn't I, have the I same, had same to effect. I crop out for, from my
1: elbow down because I was like, shit, I'm just pointing at his cock. <laughs> like, well, literally an inch from his butt. There like, you go.
0: <laughs> so when did you start going out to um, Arizona and America? Well, America, yeah. like, just... February
1: 1998.
0: And was that when Chris moved out there? Was when that... your
1: big brother moved out there to get married, yeah.
0: Yeah. And then you've been there like over 30, 40 times?
1: 40 times. I think, I don't know because I stopped keeping count around 42. Right. And I've done four or five, maybe six since then. So this is somewhere between. When I go in a, in a couple of weeks, it'll be trip 45 to 50, whatever it, it, it
0: is. Does it, does it feel like a second home?
1: It used to, doesn't anymore.
0: But it, it did at one point. So you were there a lot there for three, like long periods of time. Three it's times a, a year. Yeah.
1: For three, three weeks minimum, three months maximum. Only because I was only allowed for three months maximum.
0: Sure, sure. Um,
1: but yeah, it, it, yeah, I loved it. Uh, it's a slower pace of life. Mm-hmm. Um. I made a lot of new friends, made friends quickly, uh, I had the whole crew as they would call it over there to hang out with. One of my friends owned a furniture store so he was able to put me on his delivery team and I could just work oh, cool. cash in hand mm-hmm. uh, and get even in the early 2000s when I did that I think I got about 100 bucks a day or something, nice. which was more than your brother was making. Um, which didn't do well when his wife found out that I was living in the garage but making more six, money six or seven hundred dollars a week and he was only making three or whatever. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, late late 90s for your brother's wedding and then just continued to keep going.
0: Because what year did we go out there? Um, I was 16.
1: 20, oh, I don't know how old are you now? 32. I need another P, okay, 16. So 16 years
0: was ago. that 16 years? <laughs> fuck Off. Well, Lucy, you just did the math. I didn't do the math. So, I was 16. So, yeah, 16 years ago. That was the first time... Well, no, because I remember going on a trip with you to Glen Lyon. But I think I was about 11 or 12.
1: Yeah. Did you not live there at the time?
0: Yeah, it was when we lived in Aberfeldy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. So, Eden was two, so that was 20 years ago. So? Was Glen Lyon.
0: So, I was 13. So tw- 12. 13 12. Yeah, 12, 13. 13. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 12, then, and then we... I went to America with my dad when I was sixteen to Arizona, and you were there two
1: thousand and five or something, something like that two thousand six.
0: But I I, that was one of the best holidays I've ever had. Yeah, of course it was. I don't
1: think none of those trips that I ever took when you guys were there as well, or when anyone else was visiting, they were not they were never planned. Mm -hmm. But like I say, because I did go three times a year for three or four weeks or five weeks or.
0: Yeah, it happened to be there. was a good chance be there. I might be there. Yeah.
1: But yeah, 16, I remember you and your dad got off the plane. I remember a couple of days later, we went for a swim in Dull Dave's swimming pool. Yes. Or maybe the following day. And I remember yes. Celia was there, a few other people. Yeah. And, and even though your dad might not be Scottish, <laughs> he still, as I always advocate and push for, there's no stigmas attached to it. He went swimming in his pants. No oh, God. You've not got your bathers with you. Just go in your pants. It <laughs> is the Scottish way. Doesn't it? It's not you know when you get when you go in the water, a pool I or mean, whatever, in... it's not underwear at that point in time. Just your pants. I know.
0: Get in your pants. <laughs> I in your think bag. in that heat it's it's different. I think I, you I can I get away with it.
1: him standing there. I think they were either blue or Oh white. don't I don't and I remember you looking feels. utterly horrified. And the other... I
0: blanked this out my memory. I don't yeah, I don't the, have other, any recollection other of it. The
1: females in my group at that time, Celia and whoever else, were like, ooh. And they were all a bit like, ooh, Gerard. Or Gerard, as they, as they would say. Gerard. They are all a bit like, cause he was, I feel fairly like, he's still a striking man today. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And then I did my own thing. And I, I just remember, as we quite often... I like to reminisce about when we were at uh, the single mother's apartment block, uh, which was called, what was it called? Nicole Apartments, or oh, it was next to Nicole Apartments. So a load of single mums all stayed there.
0: Arcita? Um, no.
1: Arcita, yes. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, yeah. I can't, how could I forget
0: that?
1: <laughs> I remember. Sitting, <laughs> how could I remember that? there that night with a uh, fair few hippies, and your dad was there,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you were there, obviously. I can't remember who else would have been there that wouldn't have lived there but I remember your dad asking if um, you could get a tattoo. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, yeah, I know someday who who could do that. And he was like, right, okay, well maybe we can look into that. And I was like, holy, you know, listen, I'm
0: 16.
1: And I was like, right, okay. And then I remember you drinking a couple of beers, and I was like, well, this is pretty cool. the dad's already like offered to get a tattoo and everything here on the other side they're all drinking some beers and everything and then the i di- remember
0: getting high is well. and then the joint the joint yeah.
1: came around and i went listen listen <laughs> just calm it well yeah you? you don't need that joint it's just be a luxury you're getting everything all at once here you get, it's a rite of passage you to wait for this to happen you can't go that's the trouble with having hippie parents you know just let them do whatever they want tattoos. They Does that sound like Donald Trump? <laughs> do they want tattoos? They can get tattoos, you know. Um, now just remember, not not because I I I, I didn't think that there were, you would have had any adverse effect from a, any of it. But I was just saying, you're only sixteen. Let it come. You don't. It is kind do of it funny all. to think about now. Yeah, let her do this. Let her do that. She can do whatever.
0: I mean, so, I didn't get the tattoo.
1: You didn't know because um, Hefe, uh, he was busy yeah we're still friends on instagram today <laughs> yeah.
0: but that was because yeah you were allowed as long as you had your parents consent
1: as long as you had your parents consent but we were in a country where the minimum drinking age is 21 and yeah. the minimum age for a tattoo was 21 and you were 16. is it
0: 21
1: i think so
0: i th- i just thought it was 18
1: uh, to carry a machine gun into a coffee shop 14 <laughs> 14 you can do that it's not a that's problem. disgusting Fully loaded. you can have grenades on your belt when you're 17 i think
0: you almost had me <laughs> <laughs> just like that god, god bless america
1: god bless, god bless america.
0: america well yeah it's a very uh, we were talking about that earlier but it's a very different place now um so going there now might be quite different but we Back in the day, well, I only I went a it couple was, times. It it was that period of time in my life was very happy. Was, I mem- I remember being there in it with Lewis and. Um, yeah, that
1: was great. That was good times.
0: Yeah, so I was nineteen then. I remember being on a bus with Lewis because we were going from. We did the Greyhound bus from New York oh, to oh, California, really yeah. three days of travel or some. Yeah, it was. Or no, it was to Arizona.
1: How much was it? Can you remember?
0: 150 quid. So Something for, like that. For which
1: you probably could have flown for not probably not Not too no, For the, the
0: reason we decided to do that was because we wanted to see America. But yeah. America is desert and McDonald's. Yeah. In the middle, the whole middle section. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was an absolute disaster. It was like three days of hell. I, I got my phone stolen. Did you? Yeah, and yeah. I asked. I asked. I told the bus driver didn't give a shit. Like no, couldn't, didn't. could not care whatsoever. Sit down, and, man. Yeah, and we had to get off the bus every four hours to do the fuel. So that was like during the night as well. Like oh, it was like oh, one oh. in the morning, five in the morning. I think I cried because it was. That's I nice. I remember being on the bus and I seen a cactus and started crying because I was like, I'm close. We've made. We're, almost, oh, we're there. almost there. But some guy on the some guy that was on the bus was like. Oh, you're from Scotland? And we were like, Yeah, yeah. And he's like, Oh yeah, fuck the English. And I was like, Well, I'm like half English, so Uh (laughs) maybe not, but yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) They just He was quite intelligent though. He he was aware of that sibling rivalry.
0: Well, apparently so, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think he obviously thought I was gonna jump right on it. And I was like, "Mm, nah.
1: These days I just tell people what they want to hear.
0: What so what would you reply? Yeah. 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 Well done. Oh, fuck man. the
1: English. Well done. Exactly.
0: So anyway, going back to um, the theatre, that's where you met your wife.
1: That's did, yeah. I did, yeah.
0: And I would like to hear about that.
1: I met her there. We got married. That's
0: it. <laughs> no, it's a good story.
1: She showed up with her shoe.
0: Yes. So she's. So she is a. Tour manager, or a... she's an
1: associate director
0: okay.
1: of a ballet company.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And she came to the theatre, and then a few years later, she came back.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And every two years or so, her company had been at, at my place. And on the second occasion, as she was walking towards me, I semi recognized I went, Ah, you've been here before. And she held out her hand and pointed to me and said, Mark, right? And I was like, oh, oh, oh." Oh, yeah, baby. Made it. Created quite an impression last time (laughs) you were here. And I've seen you for two years. You know my name. All right. (laughs) Uh, And then she went and looked at my other two colleagues and reeled their names off as well. And I was like, I'm not so good. And then (laughs) asked her out a couple of days later. She said, no. She went away for a couple of years, came back. This time she did not go up, Mark. She just went, Hey, how are you doing? That? I'm not too bad. I asked her out. She said, No. Mm-hmm. And I went, Oh, well, let's see into that then. And then the third time, so now a period of six years has passed or whatever. Wow. Yeah, about six years. Six years has passed. And I never asked her out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And she said to me, You're not going to ask me out on a date. And I said, no <laughs> Not gone too well historically, and she went. Well, ask me this time, maybe be different. And I went. All right. Going to go out for a drink tonight after the show. a Few of us fancy coming. And she went. Nope.
0: (laughs) Love that. Love that.
1: You know, being from Scotland, I was like, Do you want a kick in the f***? You made me go through that again, did you? she said, no, I can't come out tonight, but we're not leaving immediately tomorrow so I can meet you tomorrow if mm-hmm. you want. And I went, all right, okay, that'd be cool. So we did. And then we kind of kept in touch a little bit via Facebook Messenger. She said, I think her exact words were, all right, fucko, I've booked a ticket. I'm coming to see you.
0: Uh-huh. And
1: I was like, pretty cool. She called me fucko. <laughs> but shit, she's coming. I yeah. need to pull the finger out of here. Mm-hmm. you know? So this is your moment. Yeah, this is my moment. So we tried to, uh, the first time she was here, we went on a tour of the Highlands. I didn't drive at the time. So we went via Rabi's tour bus or Haggis tours or or something like that. Nice. And hung out in Edinburgh uh, and it was really cool for about, for about five days. Um, and then the next time she came back a couple of months after that, we went on a roller coaster of, Again, we went away to the Highlands for a couple of nights. Again, uh, I had a driver, Rab, I think was his name. Mm-hmm. People called him Rabby. He might have been a tour bus driver for Rabbi's tours. I don't know. Had <laughs> um, and then while we were, we worked out that we had mutual friends that were both on the show uh, called Wicked in Dublin at the time. Yeah. And I said, oh, wow, you know what? There's always these mystical flights to Dublin for like 4 let's see if they exist. And uh, I got the old internet on the go, and there they were, like 9.99 each week. Nice. So we bought tickets the following day to go to Dublin, met up with our friends. We did a tour of the Guinness Brewery on mm. uh, the way there, a seagull shot on Isabel, which was quite funny. Not from her point of view, but from my point of view, it's quite funny.
0: Be livid. Yeah, livid. <laughs> uh,
1: That was like the Wednesday. We came back on the Thursday, the Thursday, the Friday. We went out with my good friend Joe. Um, in Edinburgh got utterly hammered in the bar over the road from where I lived at the time in the grass market and on the Saturday we flew down to London for an evening with Sylvester Stallone so that was like Mm -hmm. my big three big like big things I thought with with her being over the second time I was like and there was probably a chip roll in there as well let's be honest I said (laughs) if you want to hang out with me you should know the kind of you know I'm the type of person that will go meet somebody in Dublin for a pint at the drop of a hat and I will go and see Sylvester stolen to utter rubbish mm-hmm. for two hours in London. And uh, she went along with that. And the, the rest is history. And here we are, ten years on.
0: can't believe it's been ten years.
1: Ten, year, ten years since we since we met, yeah.
0: Wow. Years,
1: seven since we were married.
0: And you've spent, You obviously she was travelling with her a company lot. a lot. A lot. And we, you've done a lot of long distance. We
1: have done a lot of long distance. I mean, there's no point in... Uh, that 10-year-old's head that went and sat that exam at Harriet's to get in. There's no point in that guy's head where he goes, you'll be going to New York City for a date.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) It just doesn't exist, you know? And even when you're 30-odd, you realise that that's happening. You're like, Jesus Christ. This this is pretty cool, but at the same time, it's quite scary, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I remember saying to the guys in the corner of Isabel Street, four Latino tough guys were hanging out there. They were looking at me. I looked at them. They continued to look at me. So I said, all right, boys. (laughs) And Isabel went, shh, we don't talk to them, Mark, we don't talk to them. Uh-huh. And I went, why not? They were looking at me. And she went, yeah, but they could blow you away. And I was like, very good. So it took me one day to make friends with those guys. The following night, while going for a pizza, I got chatting with them. Nice. Uh, told them who I was, how lucky they were to have met me. And I, didn't, I didn't blow them away. You know? um, right. <laughs> but the whole time I was like, well, she needs to know what sort of person I am, you know. Because by this stage, I was already 40 or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to make things work just to make them work. You need sure. to know what type of person. Yeah. I've already established myself. I'm comfortable on my own. I'm happy on my own.
0: Yeah, I think that's the best place yeah, to be as well the- when you're like... Yeah. meeting somebody
1: yeah so at the end of the night when I've had a few beers I will be like chip roll Let's <laughs> chip
0: rolls! come on what do you mean you don't want a chip roll you know? love a chip roll
1: she doesn't like chip rolls she finds it quite bizarre about chip rolls but anyway that, that salt
0: and sauce funny.
1: Oh, I every time. Soak yeah. Fucking... Soak that rolling sauce.
0: Mate, I don't, I hate having a chippy without brown sauce.
1: Soak that rolling sauce. I want so much brown sauce in that roll that I can't even hold it.
0: No, I feel you. I fucking <laughs> feel you. Because every time I go to Glasgow, because Glasgow's got really, really good vegan chippies.
1: But they do not have good chips. Because they.
0: Oh, uh, no, their chips are all right. They no just don't way. have brown sauce.
1: They bleach them. They don't cook them. They just bleach them. They throw them in the oven for six seconds. They're half cooked. They're sheet white, and they look at you like you're f- ignoramus. Wanting brown sauce, <laughs> 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 over
0: <here>. I don't, <laughs> and they want curry. Suppose. But do you know?
1: So the irony, the company that makes brown sauce in Scotland is called Browns. Okay. I have, I have a bottle of Browns brown sauce mm-hmm. in the, No, sorry, it's called Youngs Youngs brown sauce. Brown, brown that, but it just Browns it brown too sauce. Funny. <laughs> Youngs. I have a bottle of it in uh, in the cupboard there. Mm-hmm. Now, where in Scotland is brown sauce made? Glasgow,
0: is it? Yes,
1: there's a documentary on BBC iPlayer that will tell you all about the irony of, and this is the thing: it's all exported. <laughs> Glasgow. Uh, it's,
0: that it's, is ironic. It's made in Glasgow. Yeah, me and Kirsty argue quite often about brown sauce and curry sauce, and I'm like,
1: on chips, <laughs> oh, brown sauce over curry sauce.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent.
1: Ten days of the week. Yeah, because there are ten days in the week. <laughs> <laughs> but they 10 but 10 10.
0: Glasgow has really good vegan chippies. They have like like a that like you can get like a vegan battered sausage supper. Uh, which do which is not have them here? Um there's like a couple of places. No. one there's one place I've been to but it's like the west end of town, so like I'm never there. But no. like there's a place near Carcassdale that does it, but then they don't have brown sauce. So I get really excited that I'm getting this like vegan sausage supper. Dry. And then it's fucking dry. Or
1: with a sachet of ketchup. Oh. Fuck off with your. Because
0: I'm not, yeah. Because I'm not getting the curry. Sauce. It just gives me absolute rage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. like it's just an Edinburgh thing, and like a.
1: What brown sauce?
0: Yeah, and like the cut, like the borders, of place, like of places Gala places Shields. Bo- Gala Shields has, had that.
1: People's do it. Yeah. 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 They do. Uh, yeah. I
0: don't know why this. But uh, why? Such, yeah.
1: Such an aversion. Which. It's a bit of brainwashing. I don't know, brain cells. Try it.
0: Yeah, it's class.
1: Yeah. it's, it's <laughs> fi- are you recording us. Yeah. All oh, right, that's why you're talking about like that. Okay.
0: Like what? <laughs> we just do. Right. Okay. <laughs> Fuck.
1: Sorry, you're not an ancient granny.
0: We just do what we like to do. You know? We get we get our
1: messages at the shops and then we get home. Hopefully uh-uh. it's a good one.
0: We'll I will see it. I think I'm just a little bit drunk, to be honest. Well a wee bit.
1: I'm gonna get young whiskey soon.
0: Ah, oh, right. So. So, basically, you've got to say if it's shite or not. Shite or not shite. The hours are long and unsociable.
1: True. Not shite, sorry. Not shite. Not shite. Let's do that again. Let's do that again. Okay.
0: The hours are long and unsociable.
1: No jobbies.
0: (laughs) Oh, the three jobbies.
1: The wee jobbies. Oh,
0: the wee jobbies, not the three.
1: Which you left.
0: No, I didn't. You oh, did. no, I got, got a new, a new phone. phone. I got a new phone.
1: And because you are with a communist company that owned your life, <laughs> your phone deleted you. It made you exit a group on It WhatsApp. did,
0: yeah, it did. But, well, you can add me back in. The two can become three. No,
1: you formed We Jobbies Part 2 and made yourself admin. And I didn't want any part <laughs> of it because I was no longer in control of the jobbies.
0: Well, can you start a new jobbie chat? Jobby 3. Jobbie 3. Jobbie 3
1: just add you into the OG job. <laughs> hey.
0: Kirsty's gonna hate this part. She hates the word "jobbing." It's
1: funny that first time that I spoke to her on the phone, she went, "Oh my fucking god, what was that?" Yeah. And you're like, "What?" In fact, we were not sitting here. Yeah. We went what? She went, "That was springlish." Went, uh, "Excuse me, but who actually talks like that?" <laughs> and I went, "Well, I do. That's my voice."
0: Classic. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, ours are long and unsociable <laughs> Not sh- not shy. Do you find that hard, or did you always get on with that? Find it like fitted but, uh, in with your lifestyle. Up and...
1: until about forty-two, it yeah, wasn't, it wasn't a problem. Now, like anything else, it it's all it's work to sustain that out with the work itself. To actually know that Monday through Saturday this week, you're not going to be at home at the dinner table. You're not going to. Mm. Not that going for a beer is the be-all end-all, but you're not going for a beer at any point during that day because you're working, then you're finishing work, and if you're driving or whatever, you you know, it's uh, it's not easy. It's mm-hmm. not for everybody. In, o- in other fields where you work at night, it might, might be a little bit more sociable. Mm-hmm. Because generally, once 7pm starts, we're working in silence. Right. You're doing everything as right. quietly as possible. Yeah. So not like working in a bar, having a bit of banter, or even night shift security or something with other people. You're not having a bit of a laugh with them at so some... oh, yeah,
0: so you just can't talk at all. Not really. No. Not I really. mean, obviously, that makes I mean, you sense. Can, but you you but are yeah. you know, yeah.
1: People aren't happy with it. Yeah, um, The yeah. hours are long, the hours are sociable, but the thing that holds you there is... Uh, we get uh, uh overtime rate for loading out shows. So because you get that higher payment at the weekend, it's, it's uh, working late into the Saturday night, primarily in my 20s when I would finish at 4 or 5 in the morning. It wasn't so bad because there were still parties going on. Right. So I would just get to the party at 4 in the morning where there was still something happening. You know, there was still a bit of fun to be had. Whereas at 40, oh, there aren't still that many parties that are going to four of them on. You can't be arsed with them either. Um, but the accelerated payment on a Saturday night keeps you there because the following week when you get paid, mm-hmm. you go, oh shit, I got all that overtime, that was great. And yeah, that's nice. By week four and then by month four, you don't want to do without that.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: you then your work begins to rule your life, which is yeah. the best. It's taken me 30 years almost till now like tomorrow, I'm not at work tomorrow. So I'm for going a fair chunk of money by not being at work tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've got holidays coming up and everything. But I would rather go to the World Loglifting Championships with you yes. and all the other alpha males that will be
0: there. <laughs> I uh, can't wait. Yeah,
1: you and your brethren. Uh, <laughs> I, would, I would much rather... It's the quality, you know, which is also something that I learned during lockdown. Yeah. Because my wife and I, for the first time ever, sat at a dinner table more than once in a three-month period. We sat at the dinner table every night.
0: That's crazy. I you know. That is crazy. And were you like, wow? I thought it was brilliant.
1: <laughs> a lot of people, and that's a terrible thing. A lot of people really struggled during lockdown, mm-hmm. be it mentally, okay. physically, or not knowing what was happening with their future and everything. Um, but I was lucky enough to have a good employer, that looked after us enough and for me uh, it was a taste of how the other half live mm. because of the what I didn't feel any pressure mm-hmm. uh, I was able to I was here every night at five o'clock so if i had a normal or a more regular job I'd be home every night at five o'clock so I was here every night I was able to cook I got into making artisan pies <laughs> and you know all those kind of you know all the yeah. nice things that we did during those periods but it was just nice to be home every mm-hmm. night And if I wanted to have a beer at three o'clock one day, I could.
0: It must be quite hard, though, once you've broken that cycle of working late and working weekends, all that, to then go to normality and then go back to that. But then
1: you get paid that accelerated rate. Right, so it makes it worthwhile. And you get your overtime. It makes it worthwhile up to a point. But then now I'm weighing that up and going, actually, I don't need that. Mm. It's only money. You know, it's nice
0: <laughs>
1: it is nice it's only but I'd much rather have a good time tomorrow
0: yeah oh yeah yeah instead of you know, working
1: I'd much rather see something making I memories. hear you. we'll be making memories tomorrow making memories. we will
0: be we will, we will be. be um well the other one I was gonna ask is is it hard to have a social life but we've kind of covered that
1: it's hard it's not hard to have a social life
0: like within
1: but you're forced to have a social life with people you work with.
0: Yeah, yeah. So
1: you lose touch with your friends. It's not easy seeing your family. But
0: well, you lived at the 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 Brass Monkey for years, no?
1: Yeah. So that, so that social life was 60-70% <coughs> work colleagues and mm-hmm. then 30% other <sighs> Jakeys that were floating around with nowhere else to, to be. Mm-hmm. Look, looking for looking for us. Looking for other people that were out at eleven PM on a Monday night getting fucking hammered.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: because you know, they couldn't go out on a Santa. Yeah.
0: Um also, I feel like that's like a kind of special period of time though. Like Oh, well, it was
1: great. There's the social life is, is great and I dare say nowadays though, the guys that are my well, they're they're in their twenties, early thirties, they don't go out. They don't. Uh, mm. It's a very different...
0: We don't go out half as much.
1: Yeah, a very different shift in the old paradigm. They, they don't go out, they don't really, you know, there's, Every... not, there's not as much banter.
0: No, everything's gone very... I, I do think COVID has had a lot to do with it, but I, I think everyone's kind of became a lot more introverted, a lot more just mm. like doing their own thing and want their own space. And it's and it's sad for stuff like that, I it is. I do think that's at lacking. that age
1: the last thing I wanted to be was on my own because I didn't know what uh-huh. to Uh
0: No, see, I'm quite happy.
1: But now I love it. Yeah. No, I love it. But that, like <clears> I said, formal. I didn't want to What's happening?
0: What's going down? I know. I do get formal. Yeah. I do get that. The next one is is <laughs> I've just wrote is this all manual. But that's because well, that's what you used to be. Is this all manual? Both of
1: so... you and I have walked to the toilet tonight <laughs> manually.
0: Manually.
1: Yes. There was no automation involved in.
0: With your work, Pete, you you were saying that uh, is <coughs> a question that you get asked a lot. Is this all manual? So is this? Um, it's obviously the physical the physicality of your job. It's all manual. All manual. No
1: robots. No computers. Mm. Everything is manual from one week to the next. Once we did an Italian opera company and the guy, beautiful guy uh, called Patrice, uh, really, really nice man. Hello, my sweet darling Mark, are you there? I said, uh, uh, "Buongiorno, Patrice, I'm here. I used to speak Italian. I said, no, no, let's just clear that up. <laughs> let's do this in yeah, English. Yeah, don't yeah, want yeah. To do this show in Italian. Yes, I'm here, I'm ready for you. This is marvelous, beautiful guy. And then we call from there, calling a show is when the show caller, the person, the deputy stage manager or stage manager, calls the show so they tell all departments what to do. They're reading the music and the script. Yeah. And they say lighting Q five go, flying Q five, go so forth. That guy. Hello, my sweet darling Mark. Are you there? I am here, yes, not a problem. Beautiful. So chilled out, so relaxed. And then when that show started at seven fifteen, he spent the next three hours talking like he was being electrocuted. <laughs> Awful, absolutely awful, quite stressful to oh, listen no. to that. And then at the end of the night, 10 15 he'd be like, Oh well, that was not so bad. I was like, maybe for you. Yeah. Anyway, Mr. Stressy. We did uh, one show with M Macbeth, and then the second week I forget what it was that we did with the same company. So he would have left on a Saturday night, we moved the other set in the Sunday, Monday. The Tuesday he came back and in my headset, he went, Hello, Mark, or is it you? Are, you? are you still there? I said, Yes, Patrice, it's me, I'm still here. He went, Ah, very good. <laughs> now, one question? I went, Yes. Is it still manual? And <laughs> I went, Since last week? Yes. We have undergone no £50 million refurbishment. It is still very manual. Ah, this is still not so good, but we will do our best. Yes, went, Yes, we will do our
0: best. Yes. What did he think will have changed? I don't, I, I don't know. Is that, is that a thing that is now in theatres, that things aren't manual? Like
1: The stuff I do, if you've got the money... Um, you can get it's
0: it done. Wow, so. really?
1: You can get it done. So it just goes on a joystick and, mm-hmm. on a lap, and on a laptop. And you just much like... So when you go from Gosh. Lighting Q1 to 2 to 3 to 4, it's just on a, on a desk on a, on a computer.
0: Yeah, And
1: you just tell the computer, and that automates the lights. And it runs from one to two to three to four whereas i still have to do it manually Mm -hmm. on strings Mm. pulling strings pushing and pulling telling other people what to do so everybody else sits on their arse all night and i'm constantly looking after making sure everybody's on the right thing but if you can afford it uh the opera house in leeds has what we call power flying it's computerized London, the Opera House has it. a lot of places in Europe where the governments actually invest in the arts. Mm. They pay for it. a lot of theatres are owned by the councils. They pay for that, but it costs roughly twenty five million pounds to install something like that. But that... then it's it's literally just your laptop. You build you build like a spreadsheet. You build a program. Yeah. Use. You hit the button and all the bars move. Yeah. They're all controlled by a computer.
0: God. Yeah. yeah. I mean, makes sense. Was is the Festival Theatre owned by? In the, the city
1: council. Is it? Yeah. But ran by an independent trust. The soul has been taken out of it a little bit with the invention of a, a lot of other smaller companies that are now running things and doing it primarily for profit. Because the company I work I work for, we're a charity, so we still, as of the Festival Society, so we still invest a lot of time and effort and money into community groups, uh, promoting health and well-being in the community. Yeah, Looking after people with dementia, running, literally dropping coffee mornings for people with dementia. You know, trying our best to make sure that our local community are okay and helping to bring art Mm -hmm. to people um, that wouldn't necessarily receive it. We're also the first theatre ever in the world to do a relaxed performance of a show. And that means when we do a relaxed performance, we remove... The auditorium house lights are set at a nice middle level, mm-hmm. so anybody that's neurodiverse or kids with autism, kids with learning difficulties, uh, people that additional needs, anything can feel and can come at home. That's so cool. we remove, we turn the volume levels down. We remove mm-hmm. any sound effects, any flashing strobes, and anything like that. We make everybody. And the key thing with when people put on a show is performers or, or or a band they don't want to hear any noise when they're actually performing. The you know. When they're doing the line, singing their song or whatever, when we do a relaxed performance, people can make as much noise as they want. Because right. some, some people cannot obviously remain sure. quiet. So they're more than welcome to. So we worked hard with producers to actually create a show whereby that can happen. So the, sh- the show isn't two hours long, it's only an hour, it's condensed down, you get the key uh, plot of the story Yeah. Whatever. But it was it was a very proud moment for us to and that that's was about, really cool It's so about 15 years ago 12 mm-hmm. 15 years ago we did that and now people are just catching on to it yeah but we did that each, and we've continued to do that ever since That's really cool Yeah so it's quite nice. We remove a lot more of our seats in the auditorium so we can fit in a lot more wheelchairs or sometimes just give people that need extra space mm-hmm. because we can't be confined confined within a you know one or two seat area sure. so with a carer or whatever. All of that's very cool. And nobody, on those days, nobody ever moans.
0: Well, to be fair, that sounds like a way more beneficial thing to set up than like uh full new installment of like um yeah. computers doing your job.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Like it feels like that's a way better thing to put money towards yeah, than totally.
1: that. Yeah, it, it is cool. And generally people are always on board Yeah, right, with, with doing it as well. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. But... If what I do had been computerized, then it would be a lot easier for me.
0: Would you have a job?
1: Oh, yeah. You still need to work. Like a... You still need to program it. Okay. And computers always don't behave. So sometimes you have to totally. take manual control of it. And it's just on a joystick. Yeah. Um, They don't always. Yeah. So you still have to. Plus, there's people underneath these things. So you can't just have an automated thing. Move Someone's got to manage it. 600 kilos. Mm. On, yeah.
0: Fair, yeah. Um. Right. Okay. I'm going to finish up. Right. Because we've almost done three hours. Right. What we,
1: is it? Ten o'clock, or not it? It's half had, nine. I've only had two slices of quiche.
0: We'll, <laughs> we'll need to have some more quiche and some more nibbles. Yeah. But um, thanks so much for coming. Right,
1: out. you're more than welcome. It's been good chat. Coming out. What uh, what are the rates of pay?
0: Uh, zero. Just zero, pure zero. pure love, love from your heart and soul. Yeah, that's it. That's how I used to sing, and the bands almost talking about the yeah, you know what?
1: Sound like Cold Family from the kids.
0: Oh, thank you. Right, bye.
1: Bye now, cheerie bye. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Don't Panic podcast. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. Also be sure to check out the description for quick links to connect with our amazing guests. Show them some love, give them a follow and explore their work. Once again, thank you so much. Your support means the world. And until next week, don't panic. We'll see you again.